0: You're listening to Up Your Brave on RCR, Reality Check Radio.
1: Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to the Up Your Brave show here with Natalie cutler Welsh on Reality Check Radio. Next, I'm talking to someone I've been trying to interview for a long, long time, and I'm so excited to dive into this topic. We're talking to Jeff Neal on facts, honesty, and prosperity for all New Zealanders. Welcome, Jeff.
0: Thanks, Natalie. And thanks for your patience as well.
1: Well, you are a busy man. For those of you that don't know uh, Jeff and what he's been up to, uh, Jeff has five passions. Facts, fiction, helping small businesses, helping New Zealand, and creating the facts, which he's going to talk about in a moment. His number skills have helped over 2,000 businesses over 20 years, and he's also a winner of multiple business growth, export, and entrepreneurship awards so two years ago, he co-founded www.thefacts.nz thefacts.nz and more recently www.kpi.nz, KPI.nz, which is Kiwi Performance Indicators. Jeff, this is also interesting. I know you love the facts and you love numbers so much. Can you tell us a little bit about how you got into this area and then what exactly is the facts?
0: Yeah, uh, thanks, Natalie. Well, since I was a kid, I love maths and numbers. So that's probably no surprise to anyone. But it was once I got into my own businesses that Uh, And helping other businesses, I started to learn that business is hard, but actually a lot of the answers are in your numbers if you just know how to dive into them. So for 20-odd years now, that's how I've rapidly grown every business I've been a part of, just mining the data for insights. And then off the back of that, I started to realize, hey, in addition to doing this for business, I could do this for the country as well.
1: And what does that look like? What do you mean mining for data? That sounds like… Well,
0: for, I guess for a business sense, it's uh, looking at a lot of the profitability data. So not just looking at your PL, but which areas of your business are making profits and losses. So working out your GP by product, by customer, by staff member, by territory, even down to the colour of products uh, or price points to work out the pricing psychology. So that's the business side of things. And through COVID, it was incredibly busy. I think I helped, I've helped about Over two thousand businesses over twenty years, but just through COVID, it was two hundred businesses alone, including a number of charities, a lot for free. COVID was just a period where, you know, businesses got shut down, their cash flow tap got turned off, the wage subsidy only covered eighty percent of staff wages. Uh, There was a misconception that businesses were getting rich off this. That just was very rare, unless there was, you know, the odd case of corruption. It just wasn't happening. Businesses were struggling, so. That was a really tough time. Um, through that, I also launched the facts.nz and uh, is now an okay time to explain, I guess, why we we did that.
1: Yeah, I, yeah, so you've helped all these businesses, which I wanna ask you a bit more about, but we can do that later. What is the facts and how, basically, how is it relevant? Um, and how can my audience really, you know, gain from the knowledge that it offers?
0: Yeah, I guess we've got, uh, our three values are honesty, unity and prosperity. We believe that if we're honest about, you know, if we're truthful about how things are going, whether it's education or health or crime, we can all get on the same page. We can, can, so we have unity on the issues. This is the issues, this is how good or bad they're going. These are the problems. And then we can fix them to create greater prosperity for all of us. So the the catalyst for creating the facts, you know, there's two catalyst moments, actually. One was under national and one was under a Labour government. So the one under national was way back at the start of 2017 and John Key and Bill English stood up and said, GDP per capita is up 2.4% for the year. Sorry, let me take that back. GDP's up 2.4% for the year. And I went, hang on, I've just read an article that said population's up 2.2%. So if GDP's up 2.4%, population's up 2.2%, that's there's no growth there, not per capita. That's just bringing more people in. That's a false economy. And I went and made a number of inquiries with national and media, and no one wanted to talk about GDP per capita, which is a superior measure of productivity and also the impact of the economy on individual households, of course. Um, And so that's when I sort of planted the first seed of doubt in the numbers we were being presented. Fast forward to COVID, and uh, we were promised the most transparent government we'd ever had. Yet through COVID, we, the media and the political commentary was dominated by just two metrics, which was COVID cases and deaths with COVID, uh, not even from COVID. All these other metrics, the thousands of other metrics about how society is going and kids going to school are they attending, breast cancer screenings, mental health, crime rates, uh, housing affordability. Everything else just seemed to drop by the wayside. So myself and a couple of others decided we had to do something about it. Politicians weren't being transparent with the data. Government agencies was sort of trying, but it was a minefield trying to find it. Um, the media wasn't covering this stuff, so we thought well, we have to. So we cram came up to name the facts. Uh, we launched the first fact on murder convictions. Heather Duplessy Allen interviewed us that afternoon. We we're away. We had hundreds of subscribers, and that's how it, I guess it all started. Those two catalyst moments, which was uh, GDP figures back under National, and then uh, I guess the whole yeah the whole covid thing and the bias that was that was towards just a limited number of metrics on how society's going
1: well i mean it's somewhere between laughable and tragic the um the numbers that they did display like you said none of those other important metrics and only focusing on two uh i'm going to call it you know the deception with the data was consistent and i think looking back now do you think like are more people more and more people coming to your site to get You know, you call it the facts. I would call it like the actual facts. (laughs) Are more and more people coming and seeking out the actual facts these days than before?
0: Yeah, look, I've noticed a change and a change for good, uh, I believe. And in the media, too. I think the media is doing a much better job now of providing a much more balanced narrative. Uh, You know, there is still two key pieces of information, and I've got this on the facts site. Two thirds of journalists still self-identify themselves filling out the polling still identify as left-wing and only 12 percent right-wing so we do have media bias our media mainstream media is uh left the left wing aligned in their ideology that is the truth that is them answering their own polling right that is a challenge and then uh, if you ask voters about their perceptions unfortunately they see most mainstream media as uh, left-wing including our state broadcasters radio new zealand tvnz and uh multi-television so There is a media bias problem, but I think it's got a lot better uh, just from my own anecdotal uh, evidence of reading it. But certainly, I mean, that 2020-2021 period, that was just so incredibly frustrating.
1: Yeah, because it really felt like some topics were untouchable. I mean, that still feels that way today, actually, which is why so many people are loving RCR because we go, we touch all the topics. Still feels like some topics are untouchable, but that's an interesting numeric that you gave us about the journalists and the media and how they are just left leaning and therefore maybe the way they present or what they present, it's skewed. And that influences society's views, doesn't it?
0: That's right. And just because uh, I guess you identify as being left wing doesn't mean you're necessarily a biased reporter. You can still have journalistic integrity and balance, of course. And that's what we all should strive for. But you know, there's other statistics as well around trust in the media that's rapidly declining. And so it's a real important discussion point, I think, is that, you know, the great irony is the media has forced that they they uh, they denigrate the social media platforms and all these conspiracy theories and different groups, but actually their actions have forced people onto other platforms. They've lost mm. subscribers, whether it's radio, TV or, or print. Um, they themselves are to blame for a lot of people leaving them in droves. Uh, so I, I would like to think that we're going to have much more journalistic independence and balance going forward. Uh, just to use a couple of metrics of that, that was so hard to get through. So we had some great wins. You know, I talked about um, the murder convictions, we've got great coverage on ZB. And then Radio New Zealand did clo- cover that business closures had hit record numbers. There was more business deaths than startups. And off the back of that, that got republished in lots of platforms. That was great. Uh, and, you know, we we revealed that 100,000 kids weren't going to school every day. And that was a sound bite that lots of people picked. A few more things like that that were good. But, the butters and the greatest frustration. I've got a list of frustrations here on my in front of me, but the greatest was we got lied to about the vaccination rates. Let's not beat around the bush. Let's not call this misinformation or disinformation. Mm. We got lied to by the Ministry of Health. They told us that 94 uh, sorry, 96% of the population was vaccinated. And what they were doing is they were dividing that number not by the total population, but by their own DHB. Um, database. So people who had gone through the hospital system or a GP in the last 12 months, when you divided it by the population, the true vaccination rate was 92%. So that's a difference of 100% unvaccinated. That's 8% not vaccinated, adults, 8% of adults not vaccinated, not 4%. That's 100% difference, twice as much. Mm-hmm. And I took this to every mainstream media outlet. As soon as I found it, I, I sent it to all of them and said, guys, this is shocking. It took three months before they, any of them published anything. And when they did, they all did and they went hard. And even StatsNZ wrote this, this report that slammed the Ministry of Health for cooking the books. Um, but it took three months. And it wasn't until there was some researchers saying MOLDI have been undercounted in the vaccination statistics. Three months later, they finally went public with it. I hit up every media outlet and I said, Why did you not publish this three months ago when I alerted you to this? Only one replied, and they said, A, we're busy. B, we've got our own agenda. And C, I didn't like how you used the term lied.
1: Well, at least they say they've got their own agenda.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And so that was like a big insight, right? And then, you know, also through that time, and another thing uh, that was very frustrating was we found out obesity had increased 10% in just one year. So that was uh, uh, 2019-20 to twenty twenty. 21. So over a one-year period, through a lot of those lockdowns, obesity went up 10% in just one year. So we went from 30% of the country being obese to 33%. So 3 divided by 30 is a 10% increase in the number of obese um, Kiwis. No one would recover it. And, and, you know, was apparently so concerned about our health, you know, with all the COVID response, yet here's a shocking metric. Obesity um, is, you know, it's a comorbidity. It leads to earlier deaths. Um, and lots of other diseases, and yet no one in the media would cover it, uh, and they still haven't. And then, unfortunately, why do you
1: think why do you think that is? They haven't covered that particular statistic.
0: Um, well, look, I could kind of go back to what they said. is just um, look, they're so busy; they get snowed under with so many things they've got to cover. Um, they, they haven't got the resources they used to. They've all got their own personal agendas they want to cover, and they just don't really care about obesity because they're not interested. You know, it's it's hard not to be skeptical and think that that painted the Labour government in a bad light, that there is negative side effects for the way it handled the lockdowns. And that's why they didn't do it. And partly, you know, let's just be frank. I mean, this, this your show is about being brave, right? So that's let's, right. Let's call, it, let's call it what it is, is that um, the public interest journalism fund was also in play 55 million plus, plus all, you know, plus, plus all the additional money and it went up and there's all the usual funding for TVNZ, Radio New Zealand and Maori TV. Like the, and also on top of that, all the COVID advertising, of course, that was getting paid to all of these media companies to put up the the white and yellow striped ads. So it's hard not to think that that played a role in them suppressing some of the um, stories which didn't paint the COVID response in such a good light.
1: I concur. I'm Absolutely.
0: Now, for any media watching this. <laughs> listening
1: to this well no, it's interesting what you said earlier and i do agree i mean it seems like some of them have changed their tune slightly ever so slightly um and i do feel like that momentum will continue meaning as it becomes more acceptable to acknowledge some things or maybe question some things um the we call it legacy media but like the mainstream media some of them are changing their too. not all of them but I think that's it's a slow it's a slow process. And look Curia
0: did some great research on this uh, back in April. a thousand people answered this question of how do you see each of these different media outlets uh, strong left, somewhat left uh, neutral, somewhat right or far right and the Herald came out on top. they were almost perfectly balanced between people that thought they were left central, interest and right. So praise has to go to the Herald. For topping that research as the most politically balanced. And they have, they are one of the outlets that, you know, it is easy to notice that they've made big improvements. They have comments on, you know, they still cancel Mm -hmm. a few comments, which gets frustrated, frustrating, but they are more balanced than most. They have comments so people can have their say. You can vote comments up and down. So there is a democratic kind of process that goes on there. Um, Radio New Zealand was plus 6% left, but, you know, then it gets a bit. How, How did stuff go? stuff was the worst. Uh, yeah. Sorry, actually, stuff was the most far left, was plus 19% left. So they are seen as the most left wing. But I guess the but is, and, you know, One News is just behind them on plus 15% left. And you can just hear that from the gripes of people who are switching off One News. I've been trying to get viewership numbers of One News. I'm sure it's dropped rapidly because a lot of people are frustrated with their lack of balance on, on some stories. Um and then, I mean, you've got a couple of platforms. The platform is 28% right, and News Talk TV is seen as 36% right. So it's not just all left. There's a couple there that are seen as, as going too far right, right not balanced. But on the whole, when you've got the Herald is balanced, but you've got Radio New Zealand, News Hub, the spin off, One News stuff, all pretty strongly left and only two right, there is a bit of an imbalance there.
1: Well, I was going to ask you about your list of frustrations that you alluded to. I feel like you're on a bit of a roll now, so let's go with it. Is there anything else that's frustrating you? Yeah, I'll
0: just get stuck into it. If that's <laughs> right, I'll just go through the list. So, you know, we the, we had, t- in the local body elections, we were voting for our you know our mayors and our councillors and our local boards and licensing trustees. Uh, we had alphabetical bias in one quarter of those elections. So in Auckland, we had mm-hmm. candidates ranked by their surname. So the A, Bs and has got this massive unfair advantage. The results were for the local board, forget the mayor, because we all sort of put a bit of thought into who we're going to vote for for mayor. So there's not so much alphabetical bias, but for all the local boards and all local uh, licensing trustees, people in positions one, two, and three on the list. So you probably have to have a surname starting with A, B, or C. Um, Anderson, Booker. Uh, I'm know. all set
1: then. I should put my, put my hat <laughs> yeah, in the ring.
0: Yeah, yeah you're right. Yeah. Cutler Welsh, you're, you're going to be getting in with the votes. They received, they, they got in twice as much as they should have based on statistics. That It was like skewed so crazy between the people in the first three positions on each ballot paper. That is just crazy that in today's day and age, and, and even our lo- last election, it was alphabetically ranked. There was no random ranking. If you went to any ballot form in the country, the candidates were ranked by their surnames. And we know from basic statistics, people... Um, place greater emphasis on the start of lists and a little bit at the end too. If you're in a big long, if you're in an electorate with lots of candidates, you better hope that you're in the top three positions or the bottom one. Uh, otherwise, it's, yeah, it skews the results. And it's just crazy that we have this. So that's that one, alphabetical bias. Let's talk about- Okay, my
1: question. For the actual, the election that we just had um, with the parties that, when you were choosing a party, they were kind of random, right? Because some of my friends in different parts of the country it was different order. They changed the order yeah. up.
0: Yeah, Correct. okay. Correct. So what you would hope for is, so what when you so say it's random, so on the right-hand side is the candidate names. So Anderson at the top, right, Yeah, for example. And then on the left is their corresponding party. So let's say that this candidate Anderson was a uh, Labor Party um, uh, candidate. That means that Labor would have been at the top on the left-hand side as well. Right. So you got, got that candidate at the top of the right-hand side, and their party at the top of the left-hand side. And then if the person underneath them, um, you know, that's, uh, you know, the surname starts with a B, um, if they're an independent, then there's no logo on the left-hand side. it just It's just a blank. So this can have an impact on how people vote uh, based on just how the surnames fall. Look, if you want to get into, if you want your party to get in, uh, to win an electorate, or your party agrees, Just go recruit a whole lot of people with A surnames, and you'll be on the top of every ballot paper. Get everyone to change their names by depot, right? It it, it sounds crazy, but actually it helps. And, you know, it's it's, it's just, I find it unbelievable. In 2023, we do not have randomised ballot papers for Mm -hmm. local council or general elections. And that is something that I guess got a bit geeky. And it was hard to get the media to pick up on this. I felt this was a major issue, especially in councils like Auckland's, which didn't have randomization.
1: Is the media always like, oh, it's that guy, Jeff, again?
0: <laughs> uh, well, I yeah. Well, look, I, I guess there's a lot of people probably hitting them up. Um, but, you know, some are very receptive and positive. There's some some people in the media who just have published many of uh, the, the facts that I've done, which is great. But there are others that uh, just seem to um, have a closed-door policy. They just don't want to know. Um I guess most of the facts I produce just because they've been bad look anti-Labour. So that puts some people off. Um, I'm not anti-Labour, I'm anti their performance. Their performance has been dire as all the facts show. And sorry, almost all the facts show. Um, and we'll get into that a little bit later on. Uh, so I'm, that's that's one off the top of my frustration list. Should I keep going?
1: Keep going. But for those of you that are listening, thank you so much for tuning in. We would love to hear what is frustrating for you at the moment. If you've got a list like Jeff of frustrations, you can send us a text, 2057. Don't send us the whole list, just send us one. Or you can email us inbox at realitycheck.radio. Okay, Jeff, give us another one.
0: Okay. Merriman Davidson came out and blamed white cis males for violence in the world. I went, "Mm, hang on, uh, and analyzed the data in New Zealand. It turns out that Māori females commit more violent crime per capita than European males. So what she said is completely false in the New Zealand context, and she did say it in her in New Zealand um, with her uh, New Zealand portfolio. So you know that's just a disgusting comment, and I can't believe she wasn't censured over that uh, more. So the next one, Three Waters. Let's get into that.
1: That was mentioned, by the way, a lot on our greenwashed show. So Jazz, Preet, and Don do an amazing job on their show, and yeah, exactly. They would definitely agree with you on that.
0: Yeah, Three Waters. So we've had this forced upon us. We were told it was going to be opt-in for councils, and it was forced on councils. It wasn't even campaigned on. Her uh, was hidden, um, and then we had this submission process for the first the, the Water Services Entity, Water Services Entity Bill, which was the first piece of legislation for Three Waters. There were eighty five thousand submissions against Three Waters. Ninety nine percent opposed Three Waters. Despite that, it still went ahead. I've gone and dug up more data that showed over the last 12 years, our water quality, drinking water quality out of our taps, has not decreased at all in 12 years. The Department of Internal Affairs put out this propaganda, these ads with the green slime. I'm sure all the listeners remember these. It was a lie. Again, let's be honest, it was a lie. Our water drinking quality had not declined in 12 years. Had our pipes infrastructure, was it deteriorating? Absolutely. But that's not the story that was told so three waters again uh i mean talk about you know losing trust in, in politicians and government agencies when they try and manipulate information like this um another frustration uh is a uh, great frustration i've got is health so if you look on the kpi.nz website uh at the moment you'll see that i've got health ranked as the number well, i haven't got it ranked but kiwis rank health as the number three issue in new zealand and the metric up there is child immunization rates. And some people go, why? I mean, come on, all the things in health. Why have you chosen child immunization rates? The answer is because it is the only single health metric over many years and many governments, multiple governments that's available.
1: Mm-hmm. Everything
0: else has been buried, hidden, not measured. It's just a mess. And I've got on that page, if anyone's curious, there is dozens and dozens of other metrics we could and should measure, but the data is not available. Uh, 2008, uh, so 2007, Helen Clark's government started to promote some great ideas for health metrics. Great stuff. National one in 2008, kept most of them, tossed a couple out, put a couple of its own in, started measuring them. 2017, labor bit by bit started to take these away and stop measuring them. We just do not have good health KPIs, which is crazy. Absolutely crazy.
1: What are some health KPIs that you would suggest that you think we should have definitely hang on to? Uh,
0: so some of the other key ones is emergency department wait times. But we only have that for like one year. And you know, that's and it's now nine months old, that data it was from last year. Uh cancer screenings, uh, absolutely need that. Obesity wasn't even measured last year. They 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 it was measured the year before, as I talked about, went up 10%, and then they didn't measure it because they said it was too hard with COVID. And um yeah, there's 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 a whole lot. I mean, health is there, there's some major ones. There are some others as well uh that um that should all be considered too. But uh, health is just such a mess. I mean, whoever's going to be the Minister of Health, I presume Dr Shane Ritchie, uh, he's got a hell of a job trying to get this back on track. And he has to entrench these metrics so that the next government that comes in that might not be national-led doesn't just throw all this great work away. The country needs these metrics. We need to know how we're we going. Are we improving? And we just can't politicise this stuff by hiding the truth because it looks bad. Um, I'll keep going. Yeah, and, uh, social division is 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 an issue that is I've put onto the KPI dashboard. I've stuck it in tenth spot. It's not actually tested by any of the research companies um, whether or not this is a major issue. But we know anecdotally that there is a lot of social division in the country at the moment. The last measurement done by a central uh, research in September, which is the last piece of data we have, showed that seventy-seven percent of the country thinks we're more socially divided now than a few years ago. Seventy-seven percent say were more divided. Only three percent say were less divided. Only three percent say were more united. But when
1: is that? When was that done? September. Okay.
0: So that hasn't been repeated by anyone. Uh, you can go back to November last year, and there was some research done by um, oh, I forget who it was now, but some other research um, done that was very similar results. Uh, so. Look, we are very socially divided. That's a great frustration that we don't measure this. And it's, it's just no good for society, right? That We've got Māori versus non-Māori, let's be honest. We've got old versus young. We've got rural farmers versus city. Uh, we've got landlords versus tenants, employers versus employees. This, And this is probably a, an important point that this politics, this envy politics, this divisive politics, it is not serving our country well at all. We've been turned against each other. We're actually, actually, if you look at the data, we're actually very aligned on many things as Kiwis. We actually get along, yet we've let, let's be honest, we've let politicians divide us.
1: Absolutely. And and, and was that, I mean, I know that's definitely something that uh, labor vibes is, uh, was it like that with national beforehand as well? I mean, is this a strategy they both employ? I,
0: I have not seen data that goes back that far. This is, right. this is one of these great frustrations. I believe the polling, you know, and the polling companies can do whatever they like. And I, I love their work and they're fantastic and very supportive. But I do get frustrated that they don't include social unity slash division in their ongoing measurement, uh, their, their measurements so that we can work out over time. Are we getting more united or more divided? I think almost all of us would want apart from anyone whose aspirations of political power almost all of us would want us to be more United
1: as mm-hmm.
0: a and it's it's just not happening we're going the other way
1: but we all know that a divided population a sick a stressed and a scared population is a controllable one
0: uh, correct correct uh so I'm hope I'm hopeful the new incoming government is going to be uh able to provide that that unity that we want that we have seen in New Zealand. If we think back, mm. the way we supported Christchurch through the earthquakes or, or the mosque shootings, or um you know, the way we came together for rugby world cups and cricket world cups or America's cup, you know, we can unite as a country and and, and do that well.
1: But is uh, that human nature to only come together when we're faced with a tragedy? And by the way, I was down in Christchurch for both of those. Um or a celebration, you know, like everyone jumps on the bandwagon with rugby or, or the America's Cup, and then once the, you know, once the fanfare has faded, they divide again. Do we? Why do we require such monumental events to come together?
0: I think because we've forgotten how to be pr- proud of anything apart from our sport and scenery, and I think New Zealand was once a really proud nation in other areas. I think about the way we used to conquer mountains or, you know, split the atom. Um, or give women the vote first, you know, or be innovative in business. We used to have these other things we were very proud about, maybe our um, soldiers as well, a Māori battalion and other soldiers that fought so bravely for um, for freedom in the world. But since then, what, what have we had? Lately, we just keep going back to, oh, the All Blacks didn't win the World Cup or, hey, but Lord of the Rings promoted us as a beautiful country. You know, we're proud of those things, but I feel like we've lost our, you know, I don't want to use I'll use it, you know, it's been done to death, but we've lost our mojo. Outside of sport and scenery, what have we got to be proud of? And that sounds a little negative, but we haven't had a great run in recent years.
1: So it's time to turn it around?
0: Absolutely. You know, some people talk about being the greatest small democracy democracy in the world. You know, why can't we aspire to be that um, down here, down under? Why can't we be the most happiest people on the planet? Why can't we have... The best environment. Why can't we be the most innovative in business? Um, you know, these are the kind of things I think we need to add more, um, you know, strings to our bow, so to speak. All
1: right. Are we? Have we, I've got a few more things on your your frustration <laughs> list. Oh
0: yeah. Look, I'll quickly knock them off. Look, our unemployment rate. It, I'm, I'm going to call that out. It's BS. Um, if you just mow someone's lawns for one hour per week, you are considered 100% employed. <laughs> that is nonsense. You are you are at best two point five percent employed and ninety seven point five percent unemployed. So the whole unemployment official unemployment statistic that's nonsense. We need to correct that. We need a truthful measure. uh I'm sick of this fair share of tax argument. The rich aren't paying their fair share. Some new data I've just got hold of, and I'll release this soon. Uh, your listeners will probably get hold of this first. The bottom fifty percent of income tax earners only pay three point six percent of net income tax. So Income tax minus tax credits like working for families and minus benefits, the bottom 50% paying 3.6%. So when we need to have a balanced conversation of what is fair share of tax, because at the moment, there's a disproportionately large amount of our tax paid to keep our public services and servants going from top earners. Uh, we're not all pulling our weight. So let's just have some balance in that debate. Um, and look, the poverty metrics are BS as well. Like there's some absolute nonsense going on there trying to measure. And it's so confusing. They measure what percentage of households fall below 50% of the median for, like, income and things. That is nonsense because that doesn't measure if the median's, you know, what's happening to them in terms of poverty. Poverty might be going up for everyone. Just getting closer to the middle doesn't mean poverty is going down. And especially at the moment with 6 to 7% inflation for two years running, it's... So that's the, sorry, that's the end of my frustration list. No, it's, I mean, mean, what I'm
1: hearing here, especially with those numbers and the um, unemployment rates, as I said before, deception with the data or rephrased manipulation of the metrics, it's all the same thing, is, or misrepresentation of the, of the metrics. So is that just to make things look better than they are? And how does that serve us?
0: Well, let's go back to the original catalyst the see that was gdp per capita like why is that not the lead metric why is this gdp oh the economy is growing yeah but we just took one hundred and ten thousand people of course the economy is growing i mean yes. that's, this is kind of a useless metric right i mean if it wasn't it'd be so is it growing greater per person are we bringing in the talent we need are they creating businesses and jobs and are they you know smart people who are doctors and nurses and firefighters and police and whatever else we need um that that is the most basic place. If we can't start by just measuring per capita metrics, mm-hmm. then we're just manipulating the truth for our own benefit. That's a challenge to the incoming government. I would, you know, I would love to see them. I've uh, been pretty harsh on the outgoing Labor government because the data And harsh. rightfully so. Yeah, and the data's <laughs> been harsh against them. I mean, it's just the data talking. It's, um, But, you know, if the numbers don't get better, I'll be putting them up. Um and it'll be making national acts New Zealand first look bad too. but I am hopeful that they are going to take a facts-first approach to these things um I am skeptical though, because politicians over history have always twisted the data.
1: yeah. well, I mean, everyone just wants to look good and make it look like they're doing a good job. um how do we trust then how do we trust the numbers then? if you know how do we trust the people if if things are just being, misrepresented um, as they have been?
0: Well, if um, I mean, just the difference is, and I haven't really explained this to to the listeners, but the facts is 104 facts over 104 weeks, so two years. So it covers lots of different topics. Every topic there is. The KPI dashboard is just the top 10 issues only, and it's dynamic, it's updated all the time. So that's the difference between the two sites. If I was Prime Minister, which will never happen, um, but if I was Prime Minister, I would say... I'm gonna create a KPI dashboard for New Zealand, the biggest business of all. Every great business has a dashboard. Even when you're sick, you have your vital signs in hospital, how are you going? Um, with your you know, your temperature and your blood pressure and your breathing, your oxygenation of your, of your blood. So I would say as prime minister, we're gonna have a KPI dashboard for New Zealand. And then I'd say, and education's gonna have a dashboard and crime's gonna have a dashboard and health's gonna have a dashboard. And we're gonna entrench into legislation that we're always gonna have this data measured and available for the New Zealand public to see how we're going. And if the metrics go bad, I'm gonna. You don't need to fire me. I'll resign myself because I'm gonna hang my performance on turning these numbers around. That's what I'd say if I was prime minister. So I'm hoping that we're going to hear a little bit of that um, from Christopher Luxon and his team coming in as well. So I'm hoping that they will create these tools so that independent citizens like me don't have to, because uh, it is hard. It's I've put in a ton of hours and a huge amount of uh, money, sacrificed sacrificed income to pull the stuff off.
1: Yeah, I was going to say. So, is this your job, job, or do you have a job and this is your your side, you know, love, passion project?
0: Yeah, it's um, it's is it a love or passion project? Sometimes it's a frustration project. i do not thinking across as negative, but it it is for all the reasons I outlined before. I mean, this should be led by the government. The government should be putting this stuff out. I am a small business advisor. That's my passion is helping the small guy. Ninety nine percent of businesses are under ten million turnover. 98% under 5 million, two thirds under 250K. You do
1: love your numbers.
0: Yeah. yeah. But that's my sweet spot, right? We're a nation of small businesses and they often don't have the budget to get good advice. So I'm I'm trying to help lift them, help lift the bottom 98, 99% so that they can create jobs and prosperity for all of us. Um, that pays the bills. Uh, hasn't paid too many bills in the last few months because I've launched the KPI dashboard with a co-founder, by the way, with that, it's not just me. Um, and... Yeah, I've put 1,500 hours into the facts and KPI dashboard over three years now. That's the equivalent for me of 300000 sacrificed income. I've got a big mortgage. I've only been a homeowner for two years. Uh, I'm not rich. I just have something in my bones that says this has to be done. And if no one else is going to do it, I'll do it. Stuff you. If, if government, you're not going to do it, media, you're not going to do it, I'll create this. Because we need this. We, we, need, we need great dashboards. Great data, great insights, so that we can make great actions for the country, and, and turn things around.
1: We do, we do. And um, is it something that, like you said, you know, I hope Christopher Luxon can, you know, take some of this on board. Is it something that they would, you, hopefully, t- take it and run with it, or do we really want it to kept independent, actually, of the government?
0: That is a great question, and one I have thought about many times. I've been asked many times. Uh, I would like them. To just say we're going to do this uh, and we're just going to take it over. I mean, uh, with the right arrangement, I'll just hand everything over to them. I know, them. but how I can have, we trust them? Yeah, I, I know. And then, but if I'm going to keep it independent, I have to solve the funding model because that's challenging. Um, and of course, I wasn't getting any funding from the Labour government, other platforms were the Disinformation Project, Facto Tiroa. Uh, but for,
1: that, in a way, is an asset for you, or it's a benefit be, for us, the audience or the listener, because the viewer, because you're you're not funded by the government, so we kind of take you know now those that have eyes to see, we we trust the data a bit more than those that are funded by the government, so they're a little bit compromised in my view.
0: Yeah, and look on the facts website, um, it's up to me to choose what FAT goes on every week. I've got a mm-hmm. process, and it's all laid out on the website and how we do it. Uh, but the KPI dashboard is slightly different, and that that's not me making decisions there that is based on three leading pollsters curia essential and ipsos and they they poll kiwis what issues are the most important and cost of living is easily number one economy and health trade second and third place um then next down the next three is crime housing and poverty Then its environment taxes and education uh, i've added social unity and country direction onto that because they are really useful measures as well So there's a top nine, and it's incredibly consistent between all of those three polling companies. So we can trust that, I believe. Three independent research companies that publish this information, incredibly consistent. That's what Kiwis care about the most. And then within that, it's not actually that difficult to come up with a KPI. So cost of living is number one. Well, the most common measurement of this is the CPI, the Consumer Price Index. How has that gone? There's a target for the Reserve Bank. Keep it to 1% to 3%, ideally 2%. That's the current target. It has been between 6 to 7% for the last two years running. That is hurting all of us, individually, businesses. Well, it's hurting all of us, apart from if you're a government with a whole lot of debt um, because inflation decreases the value of that debt, uh, in a way, it's go up as well. Um, so the cynic in me comes out again and, and thinks, is this a ploy sometimes to, to, to crank up inflation so that debt you owe as a, as, as a government actually becomes less Um, and then it just flows on right so all the other issues that i've got there is a natural uh, a pretty natural kpi for each of them Um, and it is independent and uh, it is all driven by government organizations all i'm doing is holding up a mirror to the to the government just saying hey people say these issues are important here's your data this is what it says and then i just paint a a blue versus red line for labor-led versus national-led governments and it's kind of hard to argue with that.
1: All right. Well, let's, I'm going to, we'll do it. Usually I do it at the end, but now let's just share with people how they can go to these sites to check it out for themselves with their own eyes.
0: Great. Right, so the KPI dashboard is pretty, pretty simple. It's just kpi.nz. Nice and short. We just, uh, the, the, the doc, I uh, oh, you know we don't have the doc.co.nz. That guy, yeah, I've got to chat to that guy, but the KPI. <laughs> Um and the facts is the facts.nz. but the facts.co.nz will work as well for that one.
1: Okay. The facts dot ends it. Okay. Easy. People can go and check those out. They can see what you're showing. We haven't talked about mental health. What kind of stats do we have or not have around mental health? And what are your thoughts on that?
0: Yeah. So it's a great question as well. Um, At the moment, so if we go to the extreme end of mental health, which is suicide, uh, uh, there's not a lot of trust in that latest data that's come out. A lot of entities, and I won't name them, but I have spoken to them. Don't trust the release of the d- data. They say that it's severely undercounting suicides over the last three years, sort of through the COVID years. So I'm a bit skeptical about that. And that's why I haven't republished that. Uh, we know that um, the suicide numbers are higher amongst males, uh, youth, and Māori. We know a common trend. And every every suicide is uh, tragic. Um, and then in, in terms of stress, these, there's not a lot of great data around stress or anxiety or depression. It's very hard to get this data. Uh, I have, through official information at requests, received suicides by profession, never been published. So in the UK, they publish, their, their public health authority will publish suicides by profession, and then they can target and go, oh, look at this. Um, farmers, dentists, uh, medical workers. Vets. Uh, vets yeah, vets. Um, uh, drivers that they'll say these these are areas of risk and that is so helpful for the whole ecosystem to go jeepers we never knew this area was high risk before we have to do something about it it's like the the farmers getting together you know mates of mates for mates and you know all the other kind of things like that that happen yeah. which is great stuff uh mike king's going be friday etc lots of great things happening but we need better data so i had to go to official information act request and i haven't released it yet and i need to but i have to be very sensitive around this the suicides by profession so, that is something I'm hoping to break some uh, new insights into. Just have to be, I just have to be very careful about how I do that because it is going to show some professions are at very high risk that we've never heard about before.
1: Well, on the flip side, what about happiness? Do we measure happiness at all or do we only measure things like unemployment and such?
0: Yeah, that's on our wish list. We'd love to have a happiness measure. I mean, there's some global studies that measure happiness and I, uh, you know, from memory, Vanuatu often used to come out on top as the happiest nation on earth. Um, so I, these different studies, I think New Zealand, kind of usually comes through okay in those. But we are dropping in most of those studies around the most livable places and the happiest places. Uh, I hope to do more in this area going forward because that is a is a great question and a great metric.
1: Well, it's not something that I guess we would measure as such, but I think that there's a rise in people leaning into self-reflection, personal development, personal discovery, um, which I think does help people, um, you know, life purpose, life path, which I think does help with people's um, vibration, their frequency, therefore their happiness as well. Not something we measure, but I, I feel that that's on the rise. We, actually,
0: I do have a metric on happiness. Uh, we, we, there's a there's a really good metric done by three different polling companies on the country direction. How are we going as a country as a whole? So it doesn't talk specifically about any one area, just how are you feeling, the mood of the nation. And if you can get, it's the last metric on KPI.nz, and you can see that it's plummeted to record lows. Oh. So this has been measured for like, I think about 14, 15 years, and this is the lowest it's ever been in the last few months. Negative 30%. So that is taking the people who say we're going in the right direction minus the wrong direction, and the net result is negative 30. It's never been near negative 30. That is just well below the line. Um, so we're not very happy as a nation at the moment.
1: Well, what do you think we can do to change that?
0: Uh, well, let's go back to the, the the what Kiwis think. So rather than what I think, uh, Kiwis say cost of living is number one. So let's solve that. And we have to get inflation back under control. When inflation is 1% to 3%, we can handle it. Six uh, to seven percent. We can't. Uh, it's just crushing us at the pump in the supermarket. And then that measure doesn't even measure house price inflation. So that's the craziest thing about our CPI metric has got a floor itself. And that and there's reasons for this, but it doesn't measure what's the price of a house deposit. You know, or pr- uh, price of a house overall. What's the mortgage 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 interest interest rates aren't even in the CPI. Uh, so actually, for people with mortgages inflation is way higher than six mm-hmm. percent or 5.6 percent at the moment so we need to get inflation under control look the 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 KPI dashboard actually lays out what do we need to do we need to get inflation under control and then next when it comes to the economy we need our GDP we need our, our economy growing we need our current account growing so increase our exports decrease it relative to our imports uh, we need to get our debt down the government needs to return a surplus uh, so that we're not always racking up more and more debt debt has gone through the roof under labor. Um, Health, we need to measure a lot more metrics to see how we're going. Child immunisation, as you can see from that graph, it's like a blue line up, national group, child immunisation from 75 to 90, almost 90%, and it's just tanked back down under labour back towards 75%. That's just one metric of health, but we need to get lots of metrics heading in the right direction. Obviously, crime has to get under control. Housing affordability, actually, I just want to talk to two more that I think, i keep going through the list, but there's two that jump out at me. We have to fix housing. Like we have a housing affordability ratio of times seven right now, seven times the median household income to Mm. buy a house. Now, affordable housing used to be considered times three. We're at times seven. We're on the track to get to times eight, times nine, times ten. Auckland's already over time, hitting times ten. So we need to make housing affordable. It's part of our Kiwi values, home ownership dream, and also everyone needs affordable housing, whether you're renting or you've got a mortgage. And we have to solve housing. This is just... Uh, disaster It's creating the have-houses and the have-nots.
1: H- housing affordability and housing healthy housing, like houses that are actually not damp and full of mold and mildew.
0: Yeah, and look, I mean, part of the challenge is, and we've got this division happening between landlords and tenants. Landlords over the last three years have been made out to be the devil. Uh, a lot of them aren't making great money off their rentals, uh, not yeah. with all the healthy homes conversions and everything else they're having to do and deal with difficult tenants they can't evict. So we need some balance to this conversation. Good tenants should get good houses. Uh, bad tenants, we need a solution for that, uh, which is challenging. And that's why emergency housing has gone through the roof, right? So we, we got, but we got to fix housing. Um, the other one is I want to focus on is education. Education is our future. You know, it's our future prosperity or it's further division and, and, you know, poverty. So what, what are we going to do with? I mean, education is just such a mess. It's been. It's been led by ideologues pushing their personal agendas. Um, It's gone woke and broke. We are falling way behind the rest of the world. We don't so much need a a reset as a reversal. We just kind of need to go back to best practice. Uh, Just need to cut out all that extra stuff that isn't really actually the core things that are needed to prepare children for the world. Mm. Um, They need critical thinking. They need to be able to write, read, do maths, understand science. So, yeah, housing and education, two key things.
1: I hear you on all that. Absolutely. Um, all right, Jeff, I'm going to go to the part where I ask you my famous four questions. What is one thing you've done in the past year where you've truly upped your brave?
0: Uh, it's launching that KPI dashboard that holds the government to account. Uh, so that that went live a couple of weeks before the election. And on top of the facts, that was a huge sacrifice.
1: So how many hours were you doing in the lead up to the election?
0: uh i was easily cranking i was there's was one month i saw the figures just the other day i did 280 hours in that month and uh i've got a one and a half year old baby so to do 280 hours in the month is quite a lot um there's some pretty big weeks you know that's sort of uh, 60 65 hour weeks um so that's quite a lot and um so that's quite challenging but you know i was getting three nights before the election i had to get up at one two and three a.m just to pull off all the things i needed to do for the kpi dashboard get it out to media to schools i respond to people get the facts updated
1: is it being well received
0: yeah people i mean i used to be a market researcher so i tested this before i even went to market with it i i tested it with people and I've only ever seen one other business idea in my life of all that market research that tested as strong as the KPI dashboard. When I said to people, I want to create this KPI dashboard, i got this idea for a KPI dashboard. Stands for a uh, KPI stands for Kiwi Performance Indicators. People just went crazy and said, oh, my goodness, what? that's a no-brainer. Why do we not have that? It should already exist. That's so stupidly simple. Mm. And, and, you know, I don't want to discredit the facts. The work we've done there is fantastic, but the KPI dashboard is so simple, and it's a prioritized list of issues and KPIs and it's dynamic. So it's kind of gone to another level again. So that's 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 what I've done to up my brave. And I guess I've spoken more forthrightly as well. I was always um previously I was a bit sensitive about uh, I guess a bit nervous about going too public and offending anyone. And I remember one interview I had and I was being grilled on media bias, and I was defending them, defending them, and I wasn't really saying anything. I'm just sort of more comfortable speaking my mind now to say some media are great. Some are incredibly biased. Um, and I'd like to see that improve.
1: Well, good on you. It's not easy, but it's, um, it takes people like you to speak the truth and speak their truth and it allows other people to do the same. What about the bucket list? Is there anything that you would love to do be or experience in your lifetime that we can possibly help you with?
0: Yeah, this isn't the answer. I, um, probably told you in advance, but, Look, my big dream is fiction writing. So I'm a published author as well. So I'm a bit of a left brain, right brain weirdo. So I've got this fiction franchise that I've written. I've written 2 million words. It's been on hold through COVID and the facts and KPI, but I need to return to that. Uh, It is, I hope, would will have a profound... uh, Hopefully, it's going to be really entertaining. You know, I'm aiming for a Star Wars, Avengers, Harry Potter, Lord (laughs) of the Rings kind of scale. But my plan is to have a profound effect in the world, the real world, through fiction. Because sometimes... Trying to change the real world through reality is hard. Sometimes I wonder if yeah. um, art imitating real life is an easier way to have a profound effect on people. And, you know, Boris Gump uh, made us nicer people, I believe. Um, Star Wars taught us about good and evil. So that's my big dream. Uh, the stepping stones to that, of course, are that I need to find a funding solution for my fax work, and then my business content, I don't need to scale that. And so I'm a content guy. My my legacy for the world will be content. It'll be words and numbers. It'll be uh, it'll be nonfiction and then fiction, hopefully.
1: All right. So if anyone out there can help with this big dream about having a profound effect on the real world through fiction, get in touch with Jeff. Or possibly helping to fund the KPI. If you want the the important facts, the real facts, the actual facts to get out to the world, you can contact him. Through those websites, where else? LinkedIn?
0: Uh, yeah, easy to find me on LinkedIn. If anyone wants my personal details, you can message me on LinkedIn, but my personal email address and phone numbers on LinkedIn too. So I'm not afraid to be approached by anyone. I get that all the time.
1: Sounds good. You guys, we're going to put the links on the replay page. So you simply go to the app or maybe to realitycheck.radio, click replays, click up your brave and look for Jeff. What is coming up for you in the coming you know, three to six months? Hopefully, a bit of a holiday over Christmas with your baby.
0: Uh, yeah, I've had I've had a bit of a break. I needed to sleep after the election. I was I was shattered. I was really <laughs> shattered and exhausted. I was sleeping for like eleven hours a day for a few days there. Um, I need to crack the funding model for the facts and KPIs, obviously, because like all of us doing these things, if you can't fund it, you can't do as much to help the country. So I need to crack that, and then a, a media and social media strategy to get more reach. Uh, some of these things I'm doing should. I sometimes feel like it should be headline news and I'm, I'm struggling to kind of get that cut through despite having a bombshell kind of insight. So I need to crack that. Um, I'll then move and transition into my business content. So I've, I've been working on on the side, uh, a lot of the stuff I do with numbers for the country, how to scale that up to help more businesses, uh, numbers and words. And then it's, it's really getting into the fiction um, stuff again. So and it sounds a bit crazy because when people say, you got the dream to be a fiction writer, they kind of, some people, some trolls try and discredit you and say, you can't be a fact guy and also be a fiction guy. And I just say, why not? Why can't you have both brains? Why can't you be a dreamer and be very rational at the same time?
1: You absolutely can. Sounds like you have already done it. You've already written most of it.
0: Uh, Yeah, look, content, anyone who writes content knows that it takes a long time to create. It's easy to write content. But that last 20, you know, the last 20% takes 80% of the time to put the yeah. polish on. And pulling it all together. Yeah. And look behind the scenes of what I produce for like uh we've produced uh, again. I've got a tech co-founder for the KPI dashboard. He's he's a bit under the radar. Uh, but you know, that's taken a lot of work behind the scenes to get to that point, just just like any any other content as well.
1: Well, you've done awesome. And I'm sure loads of people will go and check it out to see what it's all about. Um, what else is there? Anything else you want to share with us before we wrap things up? Anything else you want um, Kiwis to know, or that you any top concerns or issues, or just any final insights?
0: Yeah, um, I've got two points here. One thing I didn't mention is, I, if anyone's interested, uh, myself and my co-founder of the KPI dashboard have come up with a concept to disrupt the media industry. So any media that are watching might get a bit nervous, but. Uh, listening, sorry, again a bit nervous, but we have this big idea to create more balanced media. So media that's fast, an aggregation play, that's faster to consume, more balanced, less biased, more factual. And we have a different approach that hasn't been done before. So if anyone's interested in learning more, contact us on that. And probably the final thought is that there's lots of us doing good work here. Uh, some would say God's work you know, Reality Check Radio, The Facts, and I could list many more. We all know who they are, these independent media platforms of sorts. Um, And I feel like we kind of just need a bit more of a united front. I feel like we've all got these independent battles or skirmishes, we're all fighting, we're doing good work, but uh, we haven't really come together. And so I actually believe that New Zealanders are very aligned. I think it's a good place to finish, is that I firmly believe 80% of us agree on 80% of things in the country. We've been divided through politics and I'd love to see us come together.
1: Yeah. Well, how do we do it?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Again, I'll come back to our values. Honesty has to be the first step. Honesty breeds unity. Unity breeds prosperity. We have to have this radical transparency. We have to be honest of how things are going Do you know, 80% 80% of us want three strikes brought back. 80% of us don't want co-governance, you know, of water. You know, we just have to be honest and, and democracy must prevail and we move on. And even if you're in the minority, and I have been myself, you have to respect the wishes of the majority and say, okay, I want this, but the rest of the country wants this. Move on. The people have spoken. And, and that's, I think it's the core fundamentals of our country is as long as democracy does its role, and, you know, we should be looking at direct democracy too, by the way, Um, so that we don't just get one little vote every three years uh, that, you know, we are constantly surveyed and polled for what do we want, like uh, a bit more like the Switzerland model. So if we strengthen our democracy, I I believe that's how we're going to get there.
1: Sounds good. Thank you so much, Jeff, for joining us today.
0: Uh, Thanks for the time. I really appreciate the opportunity and and sorry I've been a bit hard to track down in the last um, few months while I've been sleeping. (laughs) (laughs)
1: you've done good work worth the wait thank you everyone for listening we've been listening to jeff Neal on facts honesty and prosperity for all new zealanders thanks everyone
0: you're listening to up your brave on rcr reality
1: check radio